Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Matt Long, and as always is with me, Pastor Sam, and we have a special guest today. Her name is Sharla, and she's a friend of ours. Say hi, Sharla. Hello, everyone. Yay. Hey, do you want to talk politics? Talk. Have you heard about this? Marijuana is a gateway drug. Hello. Not a Christian. Video games cause violence. Whose lives matter? It's my body. Black I have that too. So today on Save It For Therapy, uh, we're going to talk about anxiety and depression. Woo! Super fun! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> the best topic in the world. Yes. It's going to be a blast and not depressing at all. But first, <laughs> what tea are we drinking today, Matt? Uh, so today we are drinking a tea called, I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's called either Gen Machai or Gen Matcha or... I don't know. There's a couple of different pronunciations. I always call it Jen Machai, but. <laughs> That's because you're not Japanese. <laughs> right. Oh, Sharla, how do you pronounce it? <laughs> uh, well, I know it's, it's not Jen, it's Gen. I don't know the last part though, honestly. <laughs> Just because I am Japanese doesn't mean I know how to speak Japanese, but I believe it's Gen Matcha. Gen Matcha. Okay. Yeah. Also, we're drinking a tea called Gen Matcha. And uh, to describe a little bit of this tea, it is. Um, What's well, tradi traditional family tea is at least what it says in the package. A a mild green tea with some uh like rice, puffed rice. When you brew it, the brew instructions say uh to brew it for 30 seconds and then immediately start pouring. So it's not one that you would want to just leave overnight or you'll get a really bitter taste. Yes, uh I only brewed mine for 30 seconds because I wasn't sure how good it would be. Okay. So I tried to follow the package. Now, Charlotte, though, because she's been drinking this since she was like a toddler or a baby, maybe right out of the womb, they started pouring this tea down her throat. <laughs> she just like, she just like lets it sit in there. I like really strong tea, period. But yeah, this is the type of tea that um, my grandmother who was born and raised in Japan, she really likes. And uh, every time she flew back to Japan, she would get tons and tons of green tea. And this one in particular as well. So I just grew up with it. With green tea and toast was her thing for some reason. I don't know. So my question is, when you drink this, does it remind you of your grandma? It does. It really does. The smell of it is, I love it. I, I love it. Yeah. And I steep mine for like 20 minutes. I mean, I love it's so good. <laughs> well, do you steep it for 20 minutes because you like pour the hot water and then walk away? Or do you like I don't intentionally I don't intentionally steep it for 20 minutes. I just like to leave it in there. <laughs> so Charlotte, after 20 minutes, what color is your tea? Because mine's like a, a healthy, but not overly diluted. It's like what I usually pee. Not like I drank a ton of water type of pee. Right. So actually that that's what I was that's what I was going to say actually that it um you know when you've only been, like been drinking coke for the past month and then you go pee and you're like whoa uh I don't know why I'm not dead right now <laughs> sort of color pee it's about what color my tea is. <laughs> Well, I can tell you one thing. My urine does not look anything like this tea. Well, that's because... <laughs> I try to drink a lot of water. And I don't drink any water unless there's a tea bag in it. Maybe that's the issue. That is the issue, for sure. <laughs> like, I don't drink straight water. I drink tea. I drink water with leaves in it. 
That's what so I drink. what you're saying is you drink hot ju- hot leaf juice? That yes. Hot leaf juice. Hot leaf juice. Yeah, I love me some hot leaf juice. Uh, mine, I-, I was going to use the colors uh, a little bit yellow and a little bit brown, but if we're going off urine colors, it definitely looks like you have jaundice or something if you're peeing this color. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, I mean, it's a healthy looking pee color. That's what I think. Have you had jaundice before? My brother did. But oh. he was also a very sickly child. Wow. I know. You'd never know. You'd never <laughs> you know. You would never know. Yeah. That's wild. Um, so um, taste-wise, what do we? how do we like it? Tastes like tea with rice in it. Tastes like you're drinking dr- green tea and popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I particularly like this tea. I actually was turned on to this tea when I was living in D.C. My uh, best friend used to work at Tivana, and he would bring home teas all the time. And uh, this was one of them. And we'd have it every, every morning for breakfast before we would start work. And so, um, or we'd have it in the afternoon or whatever, because he'd bring it to work and we'd brew some there. And so for me, I really like this tea. Uh, it just, it has good memories attached to it. Uh, but it's also, um, depending on where you buy it, a relatively, um, in my opinion, inexpensive tea. You can get a lot of Genma Chai for not a lot of money. I think the bag that I got, that we got for this, I don't know how much it cost for you, but it was like under five bucks. For... So you're just saying it's the Lipton of Japanese green tea, is what Whoa, you're saying. Oh, that is not what I said. <laughs> just because it's mass produced does not mean that it's crap. I like it. It's delicious. <laughs> you never bring up the L word in this podcast again. I was telling Josh, sooner or later, we should probably review Lipton tea. And then afterwards, we explode and slip, <laughs> and the Sift podcast will be over. <laughs> How'd Sam and, Sam and Matt die? Well, they drank Lipton. Got it. We understand. <laughs> I actually had to drink Lipton on the way to the airport because usually I get Earl Grey, but I said, just give me some black tea. And I saw them pop two Lipton freaking tea bags in my teacup. And I'm like, oh. You guys, you guys. Oh, well, that's annoying. I drank it because, you know, it was tea. It was fine. Uh, So, Sam, you're going to be surprised by this, but I'm going to give this tea a thumbs up, (laughs) which is my second (laughs) thumbs up for for the podcast. Because usually I'm either thumbs in the middle or I don't like it at all. So this is my second thumbs up for the tea. What are your thoughts on it? Would you drink it again? I wouldn't buy it for myself, but I'll finish this cup. So meh for you. Uh, I th- I'm assuming it's a thumbs up from Charlotte since it reminds me, uh, reminds her of like grandma and home. And I already have some just sitting in my cupboard. <laughs> yeah, I love I love those times where you can like you get something and you're like, oh yeah, this is this reminds me of when I was a kid. Um, the thing that I I usually have um, that reminds me of my grandmother. She always used to store butterfingers in the bottom drawer of her fridge, mm-hmm. like little tiny mini ones. And so whenever I'd go to her house, she'd have like butterfingers. So if, like people are always like, what's your favorite candy? And I'm like, this, butterfingers. You're like, why? And it always reminds me of just like Nana storing, storing that kind of thing in the fridge. Mm-hmm. So I love, uh, I love when you can be reminded of just like the good times of childhood. Charla, is there anything else you want to say about this tea since you've drank it your entire life? Like any fun facts or? I don't have any fun. It wasn't something that, it wasn't really ever a discussion, you know, when we had green tea. It was, you know, since we uh, drank it, uh, since we were 
pretty young. I mean, it was just like just an expectation, just like a regular part of your day, of your world, that it, it wasn't something that's like, ooh, something fascinating about this. Or so to even like give it a rating would be so difficult mm. because it's, you know, because it's just been like a huge part of my life, you know? Um, but um, just like Matt said, it is um, a type of tea that brings back really good memories of my childhood. And those are far and few between. <laughs> um, and with, you know, with my grandmother and especially now because she's getting older and she's not able to do things that she used to. And I don't obviously there's, uh, see her very often because she's back home in Hawaii. Just like cracking open the can and smelling it was just reminding me so much of her. Well, you can have this pack that we just bought. Awesome. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I can have more tea just sitting in my because you're all in the same place right now, um, all in San Diego, and I'm over in Nashville. Like, uh, why can't it be part of the party? Aww, but we're here Linda. in the podcast, and that's kind of like the same. Plus, we mostly just kind of sit around and talk about you, actually, Matt. Like, <laughs> you still need a haircut, by the way. Um, the haircut <laughs> thing, uh, yeah, it's. I'm trying to see what it looks like the longer it gets. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of, I've been playing with it all podcast because it's getting on my face. Yeah, it is. Um, you should start putting it up in like a, in like a little ponytail. Do you like the samurai, the samurai ponyta- ponytail? Yeah, that's what I usually do in my hair. <laughs> I was thinking about doing the, uh, the Vikings look where I shave the side of my head, like the shave the sides of my head and then like put it back in that ponytail yes. to see if I look like a, like, you know, cool. And then the Is that what you're going like, for? Cool? Looking, looking cool. Charlotte, I don't know if you know this, but I have never been deemed cool, but uh, I'll, I'll take it. Thank you. I, I do appreciate the sentiment. I wasn't calling you cool. I was asking if that's the look you were going for. Uh, first off, rude. <laughs> I'm not, I didn't say whether or not you were cool. I'm just saying that I did not say that you were cool. I'm just giving, giving you a hard time. It's easy to do. Honestly, the only cool people in our group right now is Josh. He's cool. Is that because he's not on this podcast? Like he's yeah. Person. He's probably sleeping in the background. Is that what's happening? No, he's playing a game on his phone for sure. Oh, Josh, what game are you playing? He's not even paying attention. I'm playing oh. Merge, Merge Dragons. Yep, told you. Yep. Oh, I, no, I'm, I'm sweet. not playing anything. All right, so today we're talking about depression anxiety. Now, I have depression anxiety. Charlotte has depression anxiety. Matt has, I don't know, something. There depends on the days when I have depression and anxiety. Um, I never really thought I had depression and or anxiety uh, until I turned about 30. It was the first time that in my entire life where I actually had to reach out for counseling uh, because there were things that were happening in my life that like, I would just wake up and be just like, I don't, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be around these people. I don't want to like inter- interact with anybody. And like, that wasn't me. So I call it depression, call it anxiety. Um, I think those have, I guess, manifested the older I got. And that comes down for me for years of different relationships and different people hurting me through those relationships um, that kind of create, I always tell people the idea of, if you hear the same thing over and over and over again, that you start to embrace that. So um, 
I have a niece uh, who's 12 now. She's just her birthday. Um, and if I were to tell her, you know, you're beautiful. I love you. Uh, you're great. You're doing really well in school. Continued like affirmations. Uh, hopefully those continued repeated like phrases and whatnot would be something that she takes on as opposed to you're worthless. You're, you don't have value uh, and some other things like that. So that, for me, it was just kind of like years of like verbal abuse and whatnot, not abuse, but just, I guess, verbal, just tension. We would always have moments where we said, I love you, uh, but the actions didn't always follow up with the words that were said. And I think that affected me later on in my life than it did early in my early years, or I didn't recognize it until later. I don't know if I had depression or anxiety when I was younger, knowing that... I think I always had social anxiety, but when you're younger, they just call it shyness. And yeah. shyness, it's almost like you're going to grow out of it. But if it's social anxiety, then it's something you actually need to work on. And because I didn't know to call it that until I was in my 30s, I just always thought someday I'll grow out of this. But then in my 30s, I realized that I would never grow out of it. And I actually have a fear of talking to people I don't know for sure and then I was like oh I have social anxiety and depression it didn't I don't really recall it until I was in the military I don't know if it didn't come out until the military or if it was just exacerbated enough for me to recognize it but I did have to be on suicide watch for an evening uh, when I was in Japan and then it just kind of went downhill from from there or uphill. I mean, I've never had to be on suicide watch again, but now I'm just more depressed more often than before. Charlotte, what's your experience with uh, depression or anxiety? You can go as deep or as shallow as you want. I know that's kind of a, a crazy subject, but I'm very comfortable talking about it now that I have. Awesome. Um, I've gotten a lot of, of help and therapy. Um, so. So actually I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. I'm not sure if you all are familiar with that, but one of, I guess, one of the symptoms, I guess, of borderline personality disorder is um, depression and anxiety amongst a whole slew of things, but we won't get into that. <laughs> um, but that I believe developed from, um, I suffered physical and emotional abuse uh, between the ages of five and 12. Uh, from my first stepmother and um, that didn't the like the BPD symptoms didn't really manifest itself until probably when I was in high school and then I resorted to drug abuse until I until I joined the military um, I did attempt suicide at, at several points in my career uh, and then um, my last suicide attempt actually was in uh, like April or May of 2019. And that was really the catalyst for, um, to changing into, I don't want to say changing, uh, to learning how to cope with BPD and, uh, depression and anxiety, um, being able to manage the emotions. One of the, uh, um, characteristics of, of borderline personality disorder is, 
is you have a, you really have a black and white perspective on things. So uh, I had a lot of volatile relationships. I never, I never was in a relationship for too long because it was either I hated you or I loved you. There was no in between and you could do the smallest, the slightest thing and I would lose my mind. I mean, it's stressful when you're, when you live in a world where everything is black and white, it's, it's a constant struggle. Um, but I have learned through what's called cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, and dialectic behavioral therapy, DBT. They're both group therapies um, that really taught me how to manage my emotions and understand where these thoughts are coming from and work on those thoughts before it becomes a behavior. So, I mean, I still suffer from it. It's not, I don't, I don't think it'll ever go away. I'll still have times when I'm feeling really down. Um, there's still times where I get anxious and I have panic attacks, but I think, like I said before, it's not about trying to eliminate that, but how to better manage it. So my question for you, what are some signs that trigger you of like, if you have uh, thoughts of depression or you're just like feeling anxious, what are some things that you do that kind of say like, oh, I recognize that I'm in this state mm-hmm. or in this place. Uh, what are some things that you do to either get out of it or do you, do you recognize it and then change or how do you process that? So, so actually that is what CBT and DBT are for, right? So you feel a, um, a very intense emotion and obviously it's, it's a, ne- a, neg- a negative intense emotion, right? And so you feel it, you, you can identify it, right? Okay, I'm really angry or I'm really depressed. And then you think, okay, so why am I feeling this way? You know, you have to ask yourself, um, where is this coming from? So I'm trying to think of like, okay, for a great example is that um, this was a while ago. I have dealt with a lot of cheating boyfriends. <laughs> and so I became very insecure. And with my current boyfriend, uh, I recall an incident where he was looking at his phone. And then when I walked in the room, he flipped his phone down so I couldn't see it. In other relationships, I would have gone crazy. I would have like yelling and screaming and, you know, why, why did you do that? I know you're hiding something from me. But as I, I got angry, like I was a 10 immediately and I was like, okay, I'm angry, but why am I angry? So I stepped outside and I was like, okay, I'm angry because I thought he was doing this, but why was he doing that? Do you, did he give you a reason to not trust him? You know, you, you kind of go through these steps in your head where you're starting to just kind of get to the root of, of the problem of, of where your anger lays. And it wasn't with Dave. The anger wasn't because of Dave. It was because of a previous relationship. And once I could identify that and be like, this is nothing to do with Dave. And he's never given me a reason not to trust him. There's no reason to be upset. All you have to do is talk to him about it. And that's what I did. I walked back inside. I, I sat down and I, you know, I feel very insecure. I feel uncomfortable. And he reassured me. And it's, it's not always going to be that easy, but that's, that is uh, one of the times where I was able to use CBT and DBT to control, not control, manage my, my emotions. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's, it's, it's virtually impossible to control them, but you can better manage them. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that uh, just in learning for therapy is is that idea of going through that checklist of like, okay, what are the things that I can control? And then what are some things that I can't control? For me, there was an opportunity when I was back in San Diego that I would get very anxious or frustrated. I'm a one that like, I have my emotions on my sleeve pretty much all the time. If I'm happy, I'm happy. If I'm upset, I'm upset. If I'm angry, dot, dot, dot. And so I'd find myself in this group of people and I'd be frustrated or angry or like to the point where like I wasn't engaging with this supposed friend group. And so I would just like shut down completely and like back away. I'd still be there, but like I'd have my arms crossed and I'd be like pouty. And what I learned in like what therapy was, it was just like I was taking what was happening uh, because a lot of the times I felt like I wasn't really heard or wasn't really like oh, you're here, but we really don't care that you're here or don't acknowledge your presence even being here. So for me, like, and I think that like from several friendships and several relationships where I felt, oh, you're not actually like letting me speak or you're not letting me participate or actively engage in the conversation. Um, And there'd be moments in that friend group where I would just be like, cool, you guys don't care then I don't care either. I'm going to completely just- That self-preservation thing. Right. I'm going to put up my barriers and my walls so that, yeah, you can talk to me if you wish, but I have this like big middle finger on my forehead that says, get away from me or F off or however you want to describe it. And realizing that it was like, oh, I'm placing other people's personalities or my perceived perception of what they thought of me onto them. That's not necessarily what they thought, but it was something that was, I was perceiving as, well, in this relationship, this person did this. Therefore, let me add this like process to this group of friends. I'm in Nashville now and I am a songwriter and I wrote a song called um, Drunk in Love. So the, the premise behind it was I had a friend group back in California and we still talk and whatnot. And I'm gonna say it, uh, I do drink on occasion. Uh, There was this one night where we were drinking a little too much and um, some things came out and my friend was describing to me just how much they cared about me and just how much I meant to the group and just how much I, like I was valued as that person. And it was one of those things that I'm like, I wrote down the line, you only love me when you're drunk. The idea that you can only say these things to me when like inhibitions are down. Because to me in regular conversation, when regular life, it was always I felt excluded or not a part of the group. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we care about you. You're like our best friend. And so there's this like realization of like, okay, what are some things that I know about me to be true? You know, are they perceiving that? Or am I perceiving the lies that I've been told as a kid of like, you're not worth it you're not good enough, no one likes you. When in reality, like just because they don't show it the way that you want them to, people in your life do care. And so I've had to like come to terms with that of the idea of like, okay, what is what are the um, responses that I need to take in order for my anxiety and or depression to be under control? And then what are some actions that the other person might doing might be doing that says, of the idea of boundaries of like, hey, you say this about me and I don't like it. I don't like the way it makes me feel. I don't like the way I think or act when you do this and saying, 
I'm going to put a stop to that as opposed to, oh, well, you can say your piece and I'll just, you know, I'm, I'm one of those that like, let me, let me cower so that I don't have confrontation. Whew. Deep. <laughs> you okay, Matt? Do you need a tissue? I'm good. No, I just, it's one of those that these, these subjects can get really like focused and really mm-hmm. intense really quickly. And so I have to like, oh, let's giggle about it because uh, we're all here today, even though we, at some point in our lives, we may have had like thoughts of, I shouldn't be here. And the fact that we are all here on a podcast and talking about a, a subject that's in some ways really hard to dive into. Uh, And yet we're all doing it like openly and freely and like, yeah, we still deal with it regularly, but we're, we're pushing forward. Yeah. We're still here. And that's always a good thing. So. (laughs) Uh, Charlotte, I do have a question. So Mm -hmm. you're learning about how to identify where these emotions come from. Mm -hmm. Are there ever times where you cannot identify where they've come from? Ooh, great question. Like when you've just kind of woken up and you're feeling really suicidal or something, even though nothing has happened? So, well, that's kind of a a tricky question in that, okay, so there are definitely days where I feel like there is no immediate circumstance that has caused me to feel, you know, sad or anxious. But I have recognized that a lot of, my um, intense negative emotions are because of the trauma that I endured as a child and that it still impacts me. Even when I wake up and I'm like, well, I mean, I have no reason to be sad. I know that there is a lot in me that I dealt with as a child that I still need to come to terms with. Um, I have a lot of repressed memories And I know that because there are a lot of memories that my sister, my twin sister, you know, would tell me that I have absolutely no recollection of. And my sister has told me that um, of the two of us, I got treated so much worse than she did. There's a lot of things that I don't remember that my sister would tell me. And I would just, I was shocked at uh, the magnitude of the abuse And I'm actually starting to get into a specific therapy for that, to be able to kind of work through those particular, um, that particular trauma and move on from it because I still haven't, I still can't bring myself to, and I don't know if I ever will forgive my stepmother because who I am now, while I'm accepting of it, I could have, I feel like I could have been so much more had I not suffered that abuse because I will always question if I'm good enough. That's a really big one for me is that I, I wonder all the time. I struggle with that a lot. Like I'm never good enough because she always used to say that always used to say that, you know, we were never good enough. Our father, you know, didn't love us, that he loved her more, that we were fat, that we were ugly. I mean, she wasn't, she wasn't a nice person. And so it's just being able to, to work through all of that trauma, you know, So yes, so yes, I can identify it, but it's not normally a lot of those that that are seemingly random, I feel like come from that place. Is your dad still married to that, that woman? No. uh, So they were, they were married for about seven years uh, from, from like, I was like five to 12 ish. um, And she ended up 
cheating on him with some like 18 year old dude whatever they were like both in the 30s and he was so ugly oh, oh he was so ugly i remember him <laughs> just like really really like skinny super pale and like who's pale in hawaii seriously and he had like cystic acne it was just really bad um oh, gross. and i think that you know so you know in hindsight because I, I didn't know what was going on when i was younger but now i'm like what why he's just like not even oh my god she was just a not a nice person <laughs> maybe it was to make her feel young or maybe he was really funny no he wasn't he was uh i remember him clearly actually he never said a word he was just really like he was kind of like you know really quiet and awkward he was mysterious and brooding I was really young, so possibly, possibly. <laughs> I, I thought he was weird. Charlotte's also mysterious and broody. So, so does your sister have any depression or anxiety, or did she just is she normal? I don't know that anybody's normal if we're honest. <laughs> no, um, I. She definitely has some issues. Her problem is that she refuses to. She refuses to admit that she want to work on it. Unfortunately, she turns to drinking. Um, so she is, she's an alcoholic. That sounds familiar. I know how that goes <laughs> in my family. She, yeah, so she doesn't, she's not, and she's one of those who believes in like crystals and like, you know, tarot cards. And I'm not even going to get into that because, <laughs> you know, to each his own, right? To each his own. But yes, I do believe that she, she just handles it a lot differently. She's terrible with emotions. Like she cannot, she doesn't know how to express her emotions at all. And we grew up in a household where, in a Japanese household and Japanese people aren't really good at expressing their affection. I mean, I still to this day don't like, like hug my sister, even touching her is weird. Like just don't, yeah, it's just, just something that we weren't, uh, we were not and raised in a household. that's why you and Sam get along so well. <laughs> Exactly. And Sam hates to be hugged. Not a hugger. Except by me. Anyway. <laughs> That's also true. Also true. Yes, Charlotte's like all uh, over but, me. Yeah, so we never said I love you or did any of those things. So it's very, it's very unfamiliar territory. And where I became a person that that I was better able to to express myself through that, my sister was just com is completely like. I don't say those things. I don't don't like talking about my emotions. I mean, she's very cut off. Do you feel better after you've talked about it? 100%. Because sometimes, yes. sometimes I'm like, I talk about it all day long and I don't feel any better. So I think I, I, I think I understand what you're saying. Sometimes when you talk, so that's, you're not, you're not going to get an answer, right? Like, so I think that's perhaps what you look for or what other people look for. When at the end of the conversation, they don't feel better is because perhaps they were looking for an answer to, to their problem, but they didn't get any. But for me, I recognize that a lot of the time, it's not necessarily looking for a problem, but being able to like get it off my chest, because I can recognize that holding it in and keeping it to myself is only going to either in intensify. Yeah, it's going to intensify or make me like even more depressed because I feel alone. I do in a sense, in a sense, yeah, I, I do feel better. Especially when I'm talking to other people that I know, like, you know, you, Sam, like being able to talk to you about my anxiety, depression, 
you don't have to say anything for me to know that you get it. And a lot of people that suffer from depression, anxiety always feel so alone. Mm. Um, and just you listening is enough for me because I know that you get it. Mind if I chime in for a second? Yeah, sure. Um, I think to go on to that, I think it's um, like you said, it's, it comes down to like relationship. I think there's some people that are so used to talking about it or so used to like, oh, let me let me tell you about it and talk about it. And there's people that like don't listen that you can maybe talking to them or something like that. And you can just tell immediately that they're distracted by their phone or they're like looking off in the distance or maybe they don't know you very well. I've had some people unload some pretty intense stuff onto me. Like you meet random strangers who are like, I'm having a bad day. You look like somebody that needs to hear about it. And there was like a <laughs> dump on you. You're like, uh, I am not trained for this, but if you're having a bad day, um, I'll listen, but I'm trying really hard to get to the grocery store. Because um, <laughs> there are some people that just like, they can find anybody and like, oh, let me tell you about my problems and just immediately unload. And then I think there's some people that like ourselves that like we have really deep connections with relationships. Like we have really, really solid friends that are maybe spread out over the world. And then when you, when you're not around them to have that conversation, somebody else doesn't get it because they don't know you like your friends do. One of my, one of my best friends is in Florida. I don't get to talk to him all the time. So when we talk, it's one of those that like, we sometimes are on the phone for like two hours because it's like, hey man, I'm really dealing with this. And we're just sitting there just like, oh, like what's going on? Are you all right? Yeah, having having one of those friends is great or knowing who you can turn to. But then opposite that, you feel like you're burdening them too much. And you're like, they just keep listening to me complaining. And I'm sure they don't want to keep listening to me complaining. And that's really hard too, because you're also putting that perception on them like they don't want to hear your problems but then on the other side you don't want to hear someone's you don't want someone to talk to you only about their problems right and i think it comes down to like there's a balance i think everybody has that person that they talk to about certain issues um like everybody has somebody they unload on or just dump on that hey i, I need to just talk and just let me talk and then there's sometimes where that relationship can be a two-way street where you can have a conversation. Uh, but then maybe that person doesn't come to you for their problems. They might need to go to somebody else. And that's okay. But it's like recognizing that of like, oh, I'm not using you as a therapy. I just need someone to like, this is what's happening. And if I get it off my chest and it's like, I think out loud typically. So if I'm trying to deal with an issue, if I'm talking to somebody, at least they're listening and I can like process my thoughts and my things but i have to do that out loud and sometimes that's like hey man are you good i'm like hold on let me go through my processes to make sure that i'm saying what i need to say what else can we say about anxiety and depression i don't i didn't really have a script or notes or anything for this no well i think so for those listening at home um our our goal behind this anxiety and depression uh, podcast was just kind of to talk about the different variants uh, i think there are variant degrees of anxiety and depression. We're all adults in our 30s. And it's one of those that I think the older we get, the more we recognize like who we are. And so if you're listening to this, and you're like suffering from anxiety and depression, for some other reason, we do have links on our website at Save It For Therapy to 
actual therapists um, that can help help you with those thoughts and help you process those things. You're not alone. And um, this isn't something you should go through by yourself. As you can see, three different people with three different personalities all have anxiety of depression of some form. We're all dealing with it on our own. And we all know that like, yeah, my, it's tough and it's hard, but there are people that care about you and there are resources available. Um, Cause the last thing we want to do is one of our listeners to be like, I want to end myself and have you do that. Um, Cause your life is valuable. So just saying that. Well, especially the difference between the three of us, you two had pretty bad childhoods. I had a great childhood. My parents are very loving and yet I still have depression and anxiety. And Matt's a happy-go-lucky person. Me and Sharla are not really happy-go-lucky people. That's a difference there. Sharla, I mean, was 20 years in the Marine Corps. And I would say Sharla is the most professional person here because she's going to HR or something smarty pants like that. Matt's a teacher. <laughs> we can't get more professional Matt's a than that. part-time teacher. Matt's a starving artist right now. I'm a full-time teacher at the teacher moment. Teacher nonetheless. See, Charlotte gets it. <laughs> well, then I guess, I guess I'll kind of clear it up. As in, I was just trying to point out that you guys had bad childhoods, but I had a good childhood. So it's not necessarily childhood trauma that causes a person to have anxiety or depression. Mm-hmm. It's not current trauma that necessarily means someone has anxiety, depression. It can hit anybody at any time for any reason. Yeah. For any reason. Gotcha. Yeah. And we all have different personalities and different ways of dealing with things. And we still are affected by these problems that just enter our mind for absolutely no reason. Like Matt is a happy-go-lucky person. I don't think I've ever seen Matt sad. I'm I'm sad <laughs> a lot sometimes. Compared to me and Sharla? Well, I mean, you're sad all the time. I am sad all the time. <laughs> I'm just sad when Yeah, I don't know. There's things in my life. I wrote a freaking song about it. There are things that like I'm I'm 33 years old, the year of our Lord. Uh praise be to God. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing about it is it's like I it, I, I wrote a song that if I was eight, you know, basically looking back at if I was 18 years old, like what I'd want. And like, none of those things came true. And it's like, at a certain point, he was like, is that me? Or am I like, am I flawed for some reason? Like, of course, like there's moments where it's like, would I like to have a significant other or like in a wife? Yeah. But do I want to settle for that? No. Are there days where I wake up? I'm like, nobody loves me of course, <laughs> all the time. Wait, you can't take that's. That's Sam's thing. Eeyore Sam, that's her yeah, thing. No, that is my thing. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm Eeyore, but I just wanted to use the voice. I'm sorry. You're forgiven <laughs> on behalf of Sam. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say like, I am very much Sam in that I am def- definitely a introvert, but I am very good at masking that. Uh, and that's why I think Josh and I get along so well is because he's a natural extrovert, like an extreme one. And I'm really good at playing that part. I'm really good at doing that. And it, it, it does come natural to me, but it's just, it's exhausting. I don't, I don't feed off of other people's energy at all. It's, it's extremely draining being around people and being around too many people consistently day after day, I'll start to get anxiety over it. I just can't handle it. Definitely. I go home and I love not talking to Dave while <laughs> so I can decompress. I think that's the greatest thing about 
uh, where I'm at in my life right now, uh, which is not working and just going to school and I'm only doing online courses is that I get a lot of time to myself and it's great. <laughs> and the whole pandemic thing, quarantine, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah that helps. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, my anxiety has like, has been at its lowest. Nice. <laughs> Sam and nice. I did an episode on extroverts versus introverts a while back. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm for sure an extrovert just like Josh. Um, but I think for me, the older I get, like, oh, yeah, I love being around people. But there's sometimes where I walk into a crowd of people and I'm just like, well, uh, you're not the people I want to be around. So like, <laughs> I think it has to be like, yes, I have extrovert tendencies and can do that. But I think for me, like, it's being around the right people and not necessarily just like, oh, a crowd. Cool. I'm great. Where some people are just like puppy dogs and like can no fret. Nobody is a stranger. Uh, where mm -hmm. the older I get, the more, there's like, no, that man's a stranger. I can talk to them if I need to, but like that man is a stranger. I don't really feel like interacting with him as opposed to, hey, you're my best friend. Let me tell you my story. <laughs> so I think for me, recognizing that, that like that's changed. And I'm, I'm still happy-go-lucky for the most part. I still, I love whistling. I love singing. I love just like patting on my desk, like, woo. But that's how I, that's how I cope. I tell people, if you want to know how I'm feeling, listen to the music that I'm either singing playing or humming or whatnot because oftentimes that'll determine like my mood so if i'm mm. in a if i'm in an upset mood i'll turn on some adele and be like never mind how i find someone like you <laughs> and i'll like weep in the car as I'm driving to driving home and or like <laughs> right <laughs> I would say my go-to song when I'm sad like that is Sound of Silence by Disturbed. That's a great song. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> Mine is not a popular song at all, but it's by like, it's called Red Sky by this band called Thrice. And it's like the other only Rice's. slow song. Oh, it's, good. And they, yeah, it's, it's such a great song, but Funnily enough, this the song is actually about being able to overcome your problems, your fears. But it, I, I know it sounds strange, but uh, I watched the video and it really spoke to me because one of the, I think he was a guitar player, showed like all of the scars on his arm from when he used to cut himself. Wow. Yeah. And so whenever, whenever I'm like feeling bad, I just listen to the song and feel sorry for myself. <laughs> Even though the song is about being strong, um, it's, yeah, it still kind of sounds very tragic. But I thought I would actually talk about uh, anxiety real quick because I don't feel like we really really touched on that and that depression is a lot easier to talk about because it's kind of it's almost automatic like you know why do you get sad about some things and you can kind of hone in on it anxiety I think is is extremely different depending on the person I could say that I started getting anxiety because of one of my best friends watching Josh go through uh, losing his legs and almost his life was extremely traumatic for me to the point where I started getting panic attacks like three times a day. It was really bad, severe. Anytime I would think about him or I would think about death, panic attack, boom, like without a doubt, it was horrendous. That is definitely anxiety is an emotion that is super, super hard to, to manage if you're already at that peak and you're hyperventilating and stuff, which would happen quite frequent, frequently with me. And then I started to develop anxiety in other areas. And I'm not sure if it like really stemmed, I don't think it stemmed from Josh, but, or maybe I was just better able to identify it, but being in large crowds, 
anxiety. And it's not like in a shopping mall, but in large crowds of people where I am expected to socialize is extra is so stressful for me. I completely avoid it if I can. Like, you know, we'd have the, the mandatory fun days in the military uh, where you're like forced to hang out with a bunch of people that you don't really know that you don't really want to get along with hang out because with. you don't want to hang out with, but you're forced to because they're your coworkers and you have to, you know, you're gonna have a, a luncheon or that we're gonna go play basketball or whatever, right? Like I don't want to do that because I there's no reason for me to socialize with you outside of work. Mm-hmm. I would try and get up that all the time. And I was just forced to, and I was, it was so awkward for me that I'm like shaking, but only like only that situation. Like I don't have social anxiety when I speak in front of large crowds. I'm so accustomed to doing that. Like in my job in the military, there was, you know, just a part of my job where I would speak to hundreds of people about retention and, you know, just speak to people one-on-one on a daily basis, constantly tons different people. So professionally really easy not a doubt, but you put it on like a, on a, anything outside of the professional like realm. Mm-mm. Can't do it. I still can't do it. <laughs> you know, I just, I just realized something. The three of us are in our thirties and we're basically all trying to start a career. Like Charlotte right. just retired from the military and she's going to college for a new career. And Matt's, I mean, you're teaching, but you're trying to become, that's not what I want to do. Right. You're trying to become a music artist and I'm beginning my preaching and unfortunately, in, in all of our situations, we're expected to network yes, because yes. a lot of it is like getting to know <laughs> people you know, and it's kind of, you know. it's mm-hmm. who you know. It, it, right. Yep. And that's the thing they teach us too. When you, when you move into a new job, it is always who you know. Yeah. And so they're like network on LinkedIn. And I'm like, I don't, I don't use social media like at all. And you're expecting me to start like saying, Hey guys, I'm super motivated today. Um, uh, I did my resume and woohoo, you know, I, I can't, right. I don't, I never did that when I did have Facebook and you're expecting me to do it now is the hardest thing. And I still refuse to do it. I'm like, I will find a job another way. I will not, I will not do that. It just seems so like frivolous. Yeah. And- yeah. I'm expected to like talk to other pastors and the district superintendent and all of these other people so that they can get to know me. And if I need to be placed somewhere, they can place me in a good church and all that other stuff. It's like, but I don't want to do that. I am not comfortable doing that. I don't see the, I mean, I guess I kind of see the need for it, but Mm -hmm. I don't feel like there should be a need for it. Mm -hmm. They should go off of, it's not necessary, right? They should go off of my resume and my past experience and references and stuff, because I do not give a good first impression for sure. Like I'm really (laughs) bad at interviews. Next time on Save It For Therapy. So today we are drinking Get Active from Republic of Tea. Marvel versus DC. Flash and Friends. Holy, holy basil. Sarsaparilla. <laughs> no one really cares about You Hawkeye. did research? I'm going to blame my mother Our for that. Our world is Earth Q1218. With friends. Um, so Matt's, Matt's talked about the website, saveitfortherapy.com a couple times. It's a .com, not a .net, not a .gov, not a .edu. And if you just want to see pictures of my therapist, which would be my cat, follow us on Instagram at a save it for the number four therapy. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, even though most of that stuff just goes back to the Instagram page. So check us out. Follow us. Matt has music on YouTube. And Spotify.
You can find me at Matt Long Music if you want to check it out. I've got links there. And Charlotte doesn't do social media. Maybe you can find her on Reddit or buy some of her clothes. <laughs> she sells her high-end clothes all the time. That's Ooh. about as much social media as she does. I want to buy some boots. Yeah. Matt, you cannot afford Charlotte's clothes. That's also probably true. But <laughs> if I get them, I could be in Kinky Boots the musical. <laughs> I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. <laughs>